0: Good morning LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, February 28th, 2021. We are 59 days into our first 100 days that God has actually prescribed out, he's laid it out before us. Our first 59 days have been focused on dialing in our discernment in our dark days. You can see all around us why this was so important. I love the fact that Elder Baj started off our day today with the opening that was out of Mark 10 and the cry of of Bartimaeus was, I want to see. Yes, Yes. That is exactly what the Lord has been helping us, is to be able to see what's going on around us. We have seen the overwhelmingly dark and divisive forces that are disguised as racial equity all around us. These forces are in wholesale fashion, abandoning personal accountability for the sin that each person is committing, and they're abandoning it in favor of fabricated race issues to try to get... The people in our day and time to be off track of what God's design is. Somebody say, I could see it. I could see it. Well, another thing that we can see very
1: clearly is the issue of gender fluidity. We've seen the breakdown in basic biological facts that have caused seemingly intelligent people to no longer be able to acknowledge what millennia of humanity have easily recognized prior To their intelligence, namely that there's no such thing as gender fluidity. Rather, God's design was intended for there to be male and female. The same rhetoric telling uh, all of us to trust in science on this topic. They really seem to, to fail to recall that those confused about their gender identity were considered to have had a disorder 15 or 20 years ago it was declared as a mental illness then even they labeled it as gender identity disorder even as
0: of late 2013 they've since changed the name of it because they are trying to change it from the disorder mental illness that it was clearly accepted even in the secular psychology realm until just the last few minutes of time the last few years with us Look, we've also seen the onset of excessive and irrational fear all around us. It seems to have robbed men of all actual rationale. Failure to wear a mask around someone who has been dominated by these fears. And you will see what the Proverbs mean by, giving, by, by the foolishness of a person who gives full vent to their anger or who gives full vent to their fear. Not even double or triple masking. Can mask the pitiful nature of people in this darkened state of fear. Can anybody say, I can see it now? I see it.
1: You know, Pastor, I found if you do a word study, Hebrew word study for a fool who gets full vent of their anger, okay. the Hebrew word is Karen. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Some other things that we have seen is how social distancing has propagated people falling into a much worse state than just being six feet apart. This distancing in these dark times has caused a spiritual distancing between people, not just a physical. Meaning distancing from other believers as they're told that it is the Christian thing to do to be physically and now spiritually distanced. You have churches that are failing to follow the biblical mandate to assemble in, in God's name And they're actually leading the weak and lame to do exactly the same thing that they're doing.
0: Church, we've had our eyes open. We have seen the promulgation of a cancel culture that is continuously crushing discussion or dissent that is desperately needed for new discovery. If you don't already agree with what's being said by the most liberal among us, then there is a push to silence. Sure. Not just disagree, but silence you in every way. Right. The order of the day has turned to silencing any point of view that might remotely stand for basic biblical standards or even a modicum of morality. That is what we are seeing in this cancel yes. culture. Can somebody say, I can see it?
1: Can see it. Look, to, to go a step further into that silencing, <clears throat> we've seen the rise of a totalitarian authority that erects steel barriers around capitals. But get this, while they're removing the borders around nations. So put a steel barrier on our capital, but uh, take the one down at our borders. Precisely because they recognize their agenda is so radical that it would surely engender response from any reasonable
0: people or society. And lastly, as we are engaging with really understanding the culture that we're in. And probably most disturbingly out of all the things that we've mentioned to you is the failure failure of the shepherds, the pastors, the ministers of God in our day and time. The men of the very pulpits designed to represent God here on earth are now safely tucked away behind cameras and technology. That way they can just pretend to care for the sheep, but only be involved in uh, private affairs. Mm. These private pulpits that are now just for profit or popularity. Instead of being and standing and performing as public pulpits for proclamation of the need for repentance and a return to the ancient path, Can somebody say, I can see it.
1: I can see it.
0: See, it is indisputable that we are in dark times. But you, church, you, LCM, if you heard the prophecies that came forth this morning, you understand what God is doing in our midst. He is dialing in our discernment. He is dialing us into what he sees, to what he feels and to what he will do. See, you as a church have begun to remove the rubble. You've begun to disperse the darkness and recovering the restorative nature of the ancient paths. And that is our goal today is to begin to understand what those ancient paths really are.
1: So let me ask you a question, church. Have you been dialing in your discernment? Have you been walking in your divine design? Have you been telling yourself to be quiet and speak up? What was that Joe? Okay. Amen. Just want to make sure. So here and now we're going to begin a sermon series that will take us to the 100 day mark, pay attention, closely pay attention, very closely because you will be tested and found approved today. We're going to begin to scratch the surface of this subject. Like a biblical archeologist, we're looking for the outline for the perimeter. And we know what the devilish debris consists of that we must dig through. We have been talking about this devilish debris for 60 days now. And we are now embarking on a 40-day campaign to discover not what we're digging through. We've already done that. But what we're digging for. Amen. We want to unearth this gem and reality. We will walk in the good way. We will walk in the ancient path, the restoration of mankind, and the entire globe. As you can anticipate, this is a process. It is a time-elapsed
0: process of unearthing these truths. But by the end of this, you're going to see clearly the ancient path and the way to remain on this path. But today... As we begin this, we're going to remove what has tried to bury the truth as everyone in the room turns to John chapter 15 and verse one. We're going to study and begin with the most essential of truths here. Our message today is entitled ancient paths, the miracle of fermentation. The ancient paths, the miracle of fermentation. And that is a miracle and we're going to celebrate it in every possible way today. You should be in John 15. Somebody say fermentation when you get there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. John 15:1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So
0: what we're going to have to do is as we begin this passage, you're going to have to unbury from what you've been previously taught about this passage. John 15 is a fantastically beautiful passage, and actually by the time we get done today, it's going to mean more to every man and every woman and every child in this room than it ever has before. Yeah. But it's going to require that we unbury ourselves from this. If you grew up in a Baptist church, if you grew up under places that had John Calvin kind of teaching, you think very, very uh, specific thoughts about this passage, but I'm going to tell you today, we're going to go back to kind of getting an illusion of the first time. We're going we're to read this the way that the people who were hearing it from the mouth of Jesus would have understood it. See, I know already yeah. because you are LCM. Yep. And we even use this passage in our ministry training one class, which some of you haven't yet been, but many, many, many in this room have. See, you would already start off thinking about that this is a first century vineyard. You wouldn't have the idea of a Home Depot straw hat with some metal shears in hand with a with a pair of overalls see cuz you already know better. You already know that you would go back to what a what a, a vineyard tender there in this time would have done. You would have actually already pictured Jesus sitting with his disciples and speaking to them in this way. You would have already thought through this. I mean, I mean, I'd, y'all got to take somebody like Carlos. Yeah. I know that Carlos has so many thoughts on this passage already right now. I don't know if you've ever seen Carlos's Bible, but he he has it beautifully color-coded and such depth. I mean, you can spend a long time just reading around the passages because this brother has already thought about this passage.
1: Father of glory.
0: (laughs) Father of glory right there, underlined, circled. But we're going to find an even truer meaning today than just this. Everybody with me in John 15? You you with me in where we're going here? We want to prepare you as you begin the study of the ancient past that the enemy of what you need to learn is what you think you already know.
1: Come on. That's good.
0: I'm picking on Carlos because he is about as joyful and godly of a man as I could think about. See, what we don't need to do is be looking at the notes that you have in John 15 because God has got something for us today. We're going to dig down and get into this. To start with, we're going to agree up front that whatever else Jesus is saying, he clearly wants his hearers in this passage to bear fruit. Can everybody agree with that? Yes. That's obvious. Everything that we do in the ancient past series is going to be aimed at not only bearing fruit, but we're going to be aimed at bearing much fruit. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Now, when we say ancient, everybody say ancient. Ancient. You have to put it in perspective. John Calvin's teachings are ancient to us, but they would have been futuristic when compared to the audience that Jesus is speaking to. Jesus' teaching are ancient to you, but they were new for his audience. See, you're going to have to discover the truths of the ancient past. They always start centuries and millennia before the people who are speaking there. An actual ancient path is going to keep going back, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to interpret the passage. Uh, uh, we're going to get into it in multiple levels here, and it's going to be a blessing to every one of you. But we're not going to interpret the first three verses without continuing to read and at least catch the next verse. By the way, that's a beautiful part of the word. If you're trying to interpret something, quit trying to segment it so much. Let's actually just keep reading for a minute to make sure that what is being said is actually getting into our heart. Let's let Jesus himself give us the hermeneutic key to this entire passage. Are you ready for it? It's coming in the next verse so that we can actually discover the most ancient of truths.
1: Y'all ready for the key? Let's unlock this. Verse five, here it goes. I am the vine, you are the branches. There's your key right there. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my here you go, Carlos, Father's glory.
0: Oh yeah. Father of glory.
1: That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, there is an interpretive key that is being given to us in this very passage. It's clear. It's an unmistakable language is being used. Verse 1 states that first and foremost, the Father is the gardener. Do you remember that from verse 1 that we read up earlier? In clear, in unmistakable language, verse 1 and subsequently verse 5, Jesus says that he is the vine. In verse 1, it was the true vine. In verse 5, I am the vine. So, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's dig into this. Further, Jesus is speaking to his audience. And he tells them that they are the branches. Now, notice, you, you know, I didn't say you are the branches. I said they are the branches. As silly as this sounds, you have already positioned yourself in a much better position than the majority of Christians that look at this verse. And simply by unearthing the clear, understandable language of Jesus, you can see something that's even deeper. So, let's talk about a few things this passage is obviously not talking about. This pa- passage is not talking about once saved, always saved. Everybody say amen. 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 This passage is obviously not talking about predestination of every believer that exists. Can you get an Amen. Amen. This passage is obviously not about a loss of just rewards. These are three major things that have been a normative part of our backgrounds in church culture. Most who have looked at this scripture through the centuries have had their view obscured by what they want it to mean. Those three things that we just mentioned are a contortion and twisting of what the plain and obvious language of the scripture says. And here's why. They're desiring not to look at the stark reality that unfruitful branches are removed. And they're ignoring the clear, unmistakable language that the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And his Jewish audience are the branches see when we read this uh, automatically our mind goes to how we are the branches it's a personal allegory of what god does but we look at it in its very applicable sense of the first century audience who is listening and who is being spoken to the branches are the jewish audience but this is the Peshat. i mean we just we just removed the first eighth inch of layer of dirt as we're digging through this.
0: Before you go there, I, I want to help you right, right now. The Lord is moving in our midst. I want to make sure that we get it the way that we need to step by step. Is that okay? You're going to let me be your pastor here for a minute? Uh, verse 5 is on the screen. Everybody read verse 5 with me. Ready? I am the vine. You are the branches. Hold. Your response when you heard that you are the branches was people said amen. Yes! Do you know what that let me know? That means that you immediately read this passage and you said, Jesus is the vine and I am the branch. That's how we just read it in the room. Pastor Matt has given you incredible insight that what Jesus was saying is I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. And he's saying that his audience, the Jews, the Israelites that are there before him are the branches. We want to make sure that you catch this at the most Peshat basic level. Is everybody in the room with us on the most obvious reading of this scripture? The way that you're going to get to an ancient path is not to so quickly move to some other perspective that you're already placing and replacing what you see on the page clearly spoken in red letters by Jesus Christ himself. We're going to make sure that we start off and we start seeing the Bible with exactly the right eyes. Y'all with me? Because that's an important part of this. We're not trying to catch you. I'm not scolding you. I'm saying, even in this room, we're all saying, yes, it's Israel that are branches. And that's not the way that you read it initially. Even while we collectively read through it and tell you that we're going to dig into deep truths today. So we're getting the original Peshat way.
1: The whole trajectory of what we're aiming at is understanding how to walk on the ancient paths. If you skip the first obvious step of what that ancient path is you're not going to be able to fully appreciate nor have revelation of what the ancient path is leading to so just get getting back to some of this grounding and understanding that the Peshat of what we just covered with you the plain obvious unmistakable truth of what jesus said in the past this has been a revelation to us in the past but we are digging For the ancient past, we're nowhere near the depths of ancient past of this verse. We need to go further beyond just the topsoil of what we covered so far. So let's dig deeper. We need to literally unearth more truth that exists. So we want to go back. Let's go back 500 years to the book of Jeremiah chapter 2 and begin to dig a little deeper.
0: Okay, so let me help you do the math while you're turning to Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah two is where you're aiming. So we go 2000 years back to John 15 from John 15 in Jesus day. We're going to go back another five or 600 years here. Okay. So we are now talking about something that is 2,500 years in the making. Let's see what Jeremiah two beginning in verse one says. Somebody say fermentation. When you get there, the word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them. See, in the second chapter of Jeremiah, it's 500 years before Jesus is speaking And 500 years before Jesus, Jeremiah is hearkening back to a more ancient time of Israel's devotion and faithfulness. The idea of Israel being the first fruits from the Lord. First fruits, a firstborn son. That is hinting. It's pushing back to a time that is even more ancient than Jeremiah as Jeremiah is standing in his day. Now let's go on and look down and skip down to verse 20 and see what verse 20 says.
1: Long ago, you broke off your yoke and tore off your bonds. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you lay down as a prostitute. I had planted you like a choice vine.
0: Whoa. Oh, keep going, Pastor. I'm sorry. I just got excited there.
1: Like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. Hey, look, considering that Jesus is drawing from this context, at least ask yourself in Jeremiah's day, who is the vine? israel of course it's clear the unmistakable well-known obvious answer is that it's israel so then let's connect some dots here in john 15 jesus audience who are israelites would have understood him to be saying that i am the vine of choice i am of the reliable stock planted by my father who is the gardener that Jesus is teaching from what is plainly stated in Jeremiah chapter 2. The outgrowths that are connected to me will produce much fruit because, here's the point. This is the vine speaking to the branches. They are of what I am. Jesus was a Jew. He is speaking to Jews. And he is pulling from what the father has given him and what is inside of him is now being transferred to them. The outgrowths that are not connected to me will not produce fruit and therefore be cut off and burned. That no amount of washing would remove the stain of their guilt. Only
0: connection with the true vine can do that. Are you guys catching this? When Jesus says, I am the vine, his audience would have not really been hearing that concept for the first time.
1: No, no.
0: I mean, we are so, past, so far past a Home Depot pair of shears here. They would have heard him say, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. And many in the place, his disciples would have gone, wait a minute. I've heard that before. Is he quoting from Jeremiah? Right. Is Jesus going back to an ancient path? Or he's saying that he's something completely new. He is connecting with an ancient path. And the people are going, wait a minute. It was Israel that was the choice vine. It was. uh, Can you put back verse 21 for us on the screen? I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. You've become a wild vine. But what I planted was something of the choicest kind of material. And Jesus is saying... I am that planting. I am the vine. And they would have understood it that way. Now, already, if we just stopped here and called it done at 24 minutes, yeah. has anybody in the room learned anything yet? Yes. yes. Has everyone in the room learned something today? Yes. Okay. Do you feel like you've dug down to a different strata, a different level of what this is? Yeah. Have you unearthed something in your own heart today? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Where do gardeners plant vines? I mean, like, what do you call the whole area of the plantings? You call it a vineyard. Y'all are so smart. I love you. Before we go back even further in history, before we go back even to a more ancient path there, let's read one more passage from Jeremiah. And I have to apologize to my brothers who are going to cover this tomorrow night. We're just going to tease it just a touch because we just couldn't escape it. Jeremiah 5 Let's go to verse 10. It says this, go through her vineyards, Jeremiah 5, 10, and ravage them, but do not destroy them completely. Strip off her branches for these people do not belong to the Lord. The people of Israel and the people of Judah have been utterly unfaithful to me. declares the lord they have lied about the lord they said he will do nothing no harm will come to us we will never see sword or famine the prophets are but wind and the word is not in them so let what they have said be done to them now let me help you there are some of you who are such good bible scholars that that uh, please be with me please please give us a moment we're just trying to connect dots that are new pathways for us but we're starting to see an ancient pathway in a very very different kind of kind of context The Father is the gardener. Gardener. That's what John 15 says. Jesus is the vine, which is Israel. And some of the Jews are, in this case, unfaithful branches that are stripped away from the vine. Now think about that. This is Jeremiah. Think about how encouraging it would have been to hear Jesus speaking to you in, in John chapter 15. Wouldn't it be so encouraging because he would be reaffirming their status as branches that they weren't all cut off and that if they would remain connected to him, they would succeed. They would be fruitful. They would achieve the purpose because it was the divine stock that they had come from. Wouldn't that be encouraging to you to hear? Yes. Now that you've grasped the encouraging part. Let us wrestle with the part that most theologians have long wanted to dismiss. Namely, that if you do not remain connected to the true vine, you will be removed and thrown into the fire. But this does not undo God's overall singular plan for his people. Wow. John 15 is coming more alive in this understanding of this ancient path. Jesus is the king of Israel. And he's speaking to Israelites. Most have applied part of the passage that we read there in John 15... They've applied part of it as being applicable to us without considering both truths that are obvious and unmistakable. But brothers here in this room, we have better things in mind for you today. We're going to stay positive. Let's go back another 500 years. Let's go back another 500 years and turn to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at chapter 80. As you're turning
1: to, to Psalms 80... Put some of this in context of what we consider ancient. How many of you guys have listened to an LCM sermon from 2005? When you listened to it, it felt like you were listening to an ancient recording, right? That is so long ago. But realize here, Jesus' teachings are ancient to us. Jeremiah's teachings were ancient to the first century audience. And now the Psalms were ancient to Jeremiah in his day. So we've got to dig down and get back to the original ancient path. That's what we're going for. So Psalm 80 verse eight, you transplanted a vine from Egypt. Wow. You drove out the nations and planted it. So help me just, I need some, some assistance and deductive reasoning here. Crowd response. Which nation was transplanted out of Egypt? Okay, okay. Y'all making me smarter every time. So obviously this is referring back another 500 years to the time of Moses. So Jesus to Jeremiah, 500. Jeremiah to David's time, 500. Now David referring back even further to Moses, another 500 Look, the best students in the room may also be reminded of yet another five years before Moses. We're going further back. Now, 2,000 years prior to Jesus, in the very time when Abraham came out of Egypt, not just Moses with Israel. So who did the New Testament writers say, uh, out of Egypt, I called my son? It's Matthew 2.15. Yeshua, he's speaking about Yeshua, but he's also Speaking about Israel as well. Spoken by the guy who's called to go to Israel. How about that? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, he got it.
1: The scripture consistently presents Jesus and Israel as the vine that has been planted by the gardener. So let's look at this further in verse
0: 9. We are covering some ancient paths here. You guys don't, if, if you're like some people in my family where the numbers start, you, you lose, start losing track of numbers. Are you understanding that we are walking you backwards in time? Yeah. yeah. We're showing how this is a singular, consistent theme that goes all the way back. Let's look at verse 9 of Psalm 80. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls? What walls? The walls of the vineyard that we're talking about. So that all who pass by it pick its grapes, boars from the forest, ravage it and insects from the fields feed on it. Mm. Now think about this after times of close communion and prosperity with the Lord, Israel suffered ravages from Gentile nations. That's what we're speaking about here in the time of David. I believe that this is a Psalm of Asaph, but this is in the time of David after three and a half years of close communion and fellowship with the father. Jesus suffered for the unfaithfulness of others at the hands of Gentile nations. He is the vine. Israel is the vine. Jesus is the vine. You're seeing the same things happen here. Both Jeremiah and the Psalms represent a 1,000 years time period. A strata of 1,000 years that underpinned John 15, which makes what you're about to read... Incredibly beautiful, incredibly ancient, and a path that has been announced since ancient times. Let's look at verse 14, still in Psalm 80.
1: Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. Oh, it gets even better. The root your right hand has planted. The sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. The son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Referring to the underpinning of John 15, remember the father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, the head of the nation of Israel and the branches are the individual Israelites. Do you get that branches are individual Israelites and notice, notice that the branches are crying out for the head of their nation. The son of man at the right hand to come revive them, restore them, bring salvation to them. It's a crying out for that king to be their vine. Look, you've dug down a thousand years in history prior to Christ to get to this very psalm. Within psalm, many hundreds of years are in reference even further back in time. Now, we want to help you plug back into John chapter 15. But you haven't
0: dug down deep enough to get to that ancient path. Somebody say there's more. more. Before we we go back to John 15, would you uh, put back up verse 17 on the screen? I remember about a decade ago when I heard Pastor Eric first begin to speak on this verse. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. This is Israel crying out for Messiah. And he's described... As let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, Father. The son of man that you have raised up for yourself. But that is in context for the Lord watching over his vine. Yes. God being the gardener. Jesus being the vine. The king of Israel. And the individual branches being the Israelites himself. Now, if you're like me. That is like a grenade that is going off on the inside of you. That is something that needs to grow inside of us. Now let's plug it back in. Having understood now, having gone through what we've gone through in the last 30 minutes or so. Now let's go back to John 15. Everybody turn to John 15. You having fun, Chris? Ethan, you doing good? You're wearing a nice shirt today. Looking rather dapper. John 15 in verse 1. Here we go. Now put on the ancient path, put on the understanding of the ancient path that we just took you on. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or he cleanses. He he works with so that there will be even more fruitful. Knowing what you know now. That Jesus is the true vine that is Israel. Planted by the Father that is the gardener. And that the individual Israelites are branches. Now, those that bear no fruit are removed. While those that bear fruit are continually cleaned. They're continually pruned to be more fruitful. There you go. Yeah. Before you fully take this to your own application... We've trained you well. Of course, there's a personal application. But before you get there, lest you be off the ancient path and not know it, let's stay on the ancient path of what this is saying. We're going to pick up in verse 3, which is Jesus speaking to his disciples right after the Last Supper, who are Israelites in Jerusalem celebrating Pesach. That's the context. Yes. Couldn't be any more Jewish no matter what you try to do. (laughs) Let's look at verse three. You are
1: already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, what Jesus is stating here is that he is the choice vine of reliable stock. And that reliable stock that ensures the fruitfulness of Israeli branches. He is the son of man that they called out for that is going to revive, restore, and save
0: Israel. Look at verse 5. I am the vine. You, disciples. You, Israelites. You, Jews, are the branches. If, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If he said this to the clean, connected, choice stock kind of branches as a warning, yeah. what do you think he would say to wild graft for those who are serious about this discussion, we encourage you to look at Paul's discourse now in Romans 9 through 11, yeah. and especially Romans 11, knowing what you now know. Yes. These are not new concepts. These men have a hold of the ancient past. Yes. But the truth is, yes. this is not Jesus' emphasis in this passage, and we're not going to emphasize it today any more than we have. Let's go on and take a look at verse 7. If you remain in
1: me... And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So clearly understood, it is to the glory of God that the vine he planted produces branches that then produce fruit because the father is glorified by a vineyard that produces much fruit. Today we are talking to you about the miracle of fermentation
0: and the connectivity of everything that we just covered. We're going to keep reading here. Are y'all with us today? I mean, I could see your smiling faces. I could see that the Lord is speaking to you. We're going to read verses 9 through 17 together. We're going to let the word comment on the word. As we do this passage, here we go. John 15 verse nine. It says this, and the father, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last yes and so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you this is my command love one another all right
1: so do you get that the father planted a vine yep the vine chose its branches because of their ability to remain to stay connected to him and bear fruit the branches also made a choice to stay connected and remain in the vine so that they would bear much fruit. The only way to bear fruit is to stay connected to him, to stay connected to the vine. The only way the fruit will last is through the miracle of fermentation. Oh, get it. That's the only way that it endures. Jesus knew that it would be possible for anyone to stay Impossible for anyone to stay connected with him in the way that he and the Father were connected unless he helped them by giving them the same spirit of holiness that was inside of him. Let me put this very clearly the substance that was inside of him as the vine, he wanted to transfer to the branches so that they could produce the same kind of fruit that he was. And just prior to here, what we're reading in John chapter 15,
0: Jesus said this explicitly in John 14. So take a look at John 14. We're going to start right there. Did you catch what pastor said? He's so smooth. He said this, and there was not the kind of response that I thought that there should be. So I'm just going to help you out. He's blazing the trail, and I'm just, I'm just trying to pick up the pieces brother. We're, I want to make sure that we all get this. The idea of bearing fruit is an important concept. The idea of bearing fruit that will last an even more important concept. But how are you going to make fruit last? You need the miracle of fermentation to take the fruit to transform it into what God designs that can then be shared. That can then have an impact on people. How long can you keep fruit without it going bad? How long can you make a wine, a fruit of fermentation, and have that last. Oh, man. Fruit that will last has to do with the miracle of fermentation.
1: So what you're saying, the miracle isn't just in producing the fruit. It's having fruit
0: that keeps and is able to be preserved. Come on now. See, I could tell you I didn't catch that all the way on the first time. You're welcome. Here we go. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you. He knew that you couldn't stay as connected to this vine as you wanted to. He knew already that you couldn't stay connected to him like he stays connected to the father. So Jesus has an answer for this. I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept the spirit of truth because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know why? It's because they're walking around in the dark. But you know him for he lives with you. Somebody say with you. With you. And will be in you. Say be in you. In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you disconnected. Amen. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see any more see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Come on. The spirit of truth. He is given to you to be with you and in you. So you wouldn't have to be a disconnected orphan from what God's vine is. He gave you his spirit to be able to empower you to connect and remain, to stay with him. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, told them because of the darkness of the days they were in, the world wouldn't be able to see. But those who are connected to him would be able to see and live. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because the vine is alive and because they're connected with the vine through the spirit, you get to live as well. And this is the message that Jesus gives to the disciples. Yeah. I'm giving you my spirit. Why? Because I want you to stay connected with me even when I'm not here. I, I'm the vine. You are the branches. The father is the gardener. I want you to be able to stay connected. By verse 20, you see that this vine that is connected to the gardener and the branches are connected to the vine and the vine is connected to the branches through the fermentation of the Spirit of God that is with you and will be in you. This is what Jesus is making clear to them. Now let me help you tie in with a larger context. Y'all are, y'all are starting to look like you're already kind of full. You're, you look like, man, man, this is a good meal. I think I'm just about ready to push back from the table. They're unbutton, fermenting,
1: Pastor. They're Unbutton fermenting. a few
0: buttons and just call it a day. Don't stop now, but we got more for you. Amen. This is a a Holy Ghost buffet that we got for you today. Let Let me help you to understand the larger context here. That the choice reliable of perfect stock vine has got connected to the branches that he has chosen that will stay connected with him. They begin to produce fruit. The vine produces grapes that are made of the same substance as what the vine is. The same lifeblood, the same spirit that is in the vine is flowing to the branches and they are producing fruit of the exact same substance that the vine is. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? As that happens through the process of producing that fruit, then there's a miracle of fermentation that happens to achieve fruit that will last. Amen. Somebody say lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. fruit. If you're going to have lasting fruit, you got to have the miracle of fermentation going on on the inside of you. Then that ferment, that miracle of fermentation is then given and distributed to the vineyard of Israel. What comes after the book of John? Acts. Oh, Acts. <laughs> what happens in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit is poured out where and to whom? In Jerusalem to the choice branches. Yes. Do you see how much better it is than even what you thought about? See, this context is it's distributed to the vineyard of Israel, and then, somebody say, then. Then. Then it becomes distributed abroad. Then you start seeing by Acts 10, other, the Gentiles starting to come. Then you start to see it move out where? From the choice vine, from the choice branches, from the fermented product of the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit in lives. Then it goes out to the rest of the world. If you skip those things, you just start receiving the glass of wine and think, man, this this was always only designed for me. And you miss the ancient path. Do you
1: see how starting in John 15, working through the ancient path and returning back to it gives you a better, deeper understanding of the richness and gems that are there. Now, as we move forward to the next scripture, Pastor mentioned the book of Acts. I want you to connect the substance of what Jesus is saying in John 15 and John 14 to what we see happen in Acts chapter 2. So turn to Acts chapter 2. As you're turning there, let me help you set this up with a mandate that Jesus gave his Jewish disciples that were choice branches. Remember, that's the audience he was speaking to in John 14 and 15. Now, he tells his choice branches, wait in Jerusalem until you have received the miracle of fermentation until you have received power from on high, because my goal is that what's inside of me that I've received from my father is not only bearing fruit inside of you, but you are doing for them what I have done for you. So Acts chapter two, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. His heart for them to have an experience and understanding like he has. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. Let's do some deductive reasoning again. Do you get drunk on grape juice? If you do, you have diabetes. You do not get drunk on grape juice. What do you get drunk on? Wine. Wine. So the direct inference is this experience of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Looks like someone's been experiencing the miracle of fermentation of wine being poured out. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Maybe if it was ten, it'd be more acceptable. Jesus promised to Israel that they would be one with him. This is what we covered with you. That they would be one with him as he was one with the father. The same substance of the vine is flowing through the branches and for the the purpose of producing fruit. Peter Having heard what Jesus spoke to him and the other disciples in John 14, he now addresses his fellow Jews, his fellow Israelites, to understand the miracle of fermentation that they have begun to experience or witness take place. It's obvious this isn't drunkenness. It's just the beginning. Everybody say beginning. Beginning.
0: It's just the beginning Of the miraculous fermentation process. Let's go forward. Let's look in verse 16 together. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. There's a more ancient path that we need to consider. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens. Same thought. No break in the thinking. No break in the quoting. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at the next words. Mm. Fellow Israelites. Come on. Other choice branches. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Peter's turning to the ancient path of the Jewish prophet Joel to help explain what was going on in the moment. The word of the Lord to Joel here is being repeated, it's being proclaimed, it's being affirmed by Peter on the day of Pentecost. This process that was initiated by Jesus through the accreditation of miracles is once again focused on God's chosen, predestined, right kind of stock people, the branches that were connected to the vine. And because you see it, because Peter is clearly speaking to fellow Israelites, the great news is what began at Pentecost has not stopped. Amen. It was the initiation. Somebody say initiation. Initiation. But it's not the total fulfillment of what this is about. That's good. You're not seeing the blood, the fire, the billows of smoke, the sun to darkness, because there is still a product yet to be brought. The fulfillment of the ancient path is seen as the vine is producing in his branches the same substance that he is. And now, the miracle of fermentation as it's coming upon them, this fruit that will last. It's still fruit that's lasting to this day. Yes, With the OG, the original, the ancient goal of reaching the nations. But only after Israel experiences the fullness first. Amen. By you understanding what the Lord is speaking to us on a foundations, what he is giving us here, he is giving you the keys to unlock how to get to the ancient paths. We're just barely touching the surface of an ancient path. We got another 40 days or so to begin working on this, but you got to catch where we are. God has got a fullness that he's going to bring to Israel. And because of that, then we get to see that that kind of fermentated fruit that will last is able to be distributed to us.
1: You know what the first century choice branches that experienced this in the book of Acts heard the quotations from the book of Joel would understand that this is just the beginning. It's not the one and done and the finality of God pouring out his spirit. It is just the beginning and it will continue until it's totally complete. Let's look at verse 33 and speaking about Jesus, that vine, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the father, the promised Holy spirit. You get that Jesus received from the father, the promised Holy spirit and has poured out What you now see and hear. As the king of Israel, just as he promised, Jesus is now pouring out the spirit for the benefit of the branches. The vine is pouring out life-giving, miraculous fermentation to his branches. Get this, in a visible and audible way. But watch how this continues in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers. They didn't say speakers, pastors, apostles. They said brothers That directly correlates to Peter addressing them as fellow Israelites, fellow Jews beforehand. There's a relationship that they had because this was being cultivated and poured out for Israel in Israel. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Branches who stay connected through repentance are able to have the spirit. What a miracle that fermentation brings. When repentance is there, power is right behind it. That power of the miracle of fermentation. You receive the spirit that helps connect you to him and helps connect others to him. It's that empowerment that's there. The book of Acts is ancient to us. But let's see the ancient path that this fermentation is originated from, it's birthed from. Let's all turn
0: to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49 and verse 10. Come on, God is opening our eyes today. Genesis 49 and verse 10. It says this the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. Don't let the obvious connection with the crucifixion keep you from unearthing a deeper truth here. You, you ready to go with this few, through a few levels of strata here as we do this? Yeah. Consider who the vine is. Consider who the vine is Israel, as personified in the chosen son, Jesus. Think about that the animal that represents the human nature, this donkey. That's got to be tethered to a vine. Yeah. Connected oh, yeah. to a vine. Not just a vine, but connected to the vine. Yeah. The cult. At crucifixion day, it's the carrier of a Davidic king. Tethered to the choicest of branches. These choicest of Israelite branches. Yes, And then the deeds. He will wash his garments with water. No, He will wash his garments in a soapy little solution. No. He will wash his garments in wine. Yes, The deeds of these Israeli branches. Bathe in wine. Bathe in the miracle of fermentation. Amen. And Genesis is speaking to it as clearly as you've ever seen. This is the produce of the miracle of fermentation. And it's exactly what you saw in Acts chapter 2. It is a fulfillment that their deeds begin to be washed in this wine. That their robes, those things that are supposed to be about the distinction. Why does it say the blood of grapes? Hmm. The blood of grapes. That when the pressing comes, what comes out of the grapes is the exact same substance of what is coming out of the vine. Come on now, you're able to see this. It's more than just hinting at a crucifixion. It's laying out a principle that the same substance of the vine must come out through the fruit of the vine. That it's got to flow through the branches. And by the way, all this is still about Israel. Yes. What started with them will be finished in them. As you are getting this, I can see the light bulb coming on. I can see your faces radiating with the glory of God as this is setting in in deeper and deeper ways. This is Israel, but praise be to God that the miracle of fermentation didn't just stay with them. It surely started with them, but it didn't stay there. Turn with us to Galatians chapter 3.
1: You're right, Chris. This is muy fuerte. Do you see the importance of needing to view the content of the newer testament through the original lens of the older testament? And when you do, you can dig deeper and find the ancient paths of revelation that God has already established and that the writers of the New Testament were building on. As we read this, it's Galatians three fourteen. Stay with us. Shake off the sleepies. Stare intently into God's word and expect revelation to come about. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. 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 Might come to the Gentiles. Say that's me. That's me. Through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the spirit. So let's break this down as we view John 15 through the lens of the older Testament. Blessings that were given to father Abraham, meaning the gardener were then carried through to the vine of Israel through the branches, the individual Israelites producing a fruit and a fermentation that has now been poured out for us Gentiles. That the ancient path that God has been on the entire time is that what originated in the ancient patriarchs is now present within you and me. Our ability to be able to lift up our heads and experience that miracle of fermentation, that baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is connected to what Abraham received. And it flowed through Israel, through Jesus, and it's at work in us, and we are evidence That this is the process. That what's inside of you, saints, is not boxed wine. It's not even the most expensive $302,000 Cabernet. What's at work within you is so much more valuable. You have Israeli wine inside of you. Because you are connected to the vine that is established on the ancient path. The promise and blessing given to Abraham in Genesis 12 to bless all people through him is still the focus that we're reading here in the writings of Galatians.
0: It should mean all the world to you that the blessings that were given to Abraham have come to the Gentiles through the vine that is Jesus Christ so that we can receive the fermentation of the spirit. We are after some kind of ancient wine, some kind of ancient path that's here. Let's go to Luke 5. I mean, some of you have been expecting us to get here for a while. Go with me to Luke 5, and we're going give, to uh, give you just a little bit more. Can you handle a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Luke 5 in verse 36. Somebody say fermentation when you get there. Fermentation. Now that you have an ancient path mentality, let's read this together. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. No one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out. and The wine skin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. And no one, say no one, no one, after drinking old wine wants the new. For they say the old is better. The old is better. For those who don't understand the ancient path, this passage is kind of like an enigma. It creates all kind of difficulties for people to explain. It's because they don't have the ancient path mentality. But for you today, here at LCM who are beginning, we're just beginning. Somebody say, we're just starting. We're just starting. We're just beginning to get to these ancient paths. You're going to easily understand this. You ready? The point of this passage isn't what's new. It's about the ancient path. It's about the ancient vine. It is about ancient wine. Amen. It's not about the new garment. It's about matching the old garment. Amen. It's not about new wine. It's about not ruining the old wine. I don't care how much you like Hillsong music. New wine isn't the goal. (laughs) It's not about drinking new versions of fermentation. But about getting back to the original. The ancient wine that is better. Amen. No one will drink of the old and say, yeah, I'd rather have the new. The reason that people keep drinking the new is because they don't have the old. No one ever thinks that new wine is better. No, Not in any frame of mind, not in any way of thinking, not anybody on this planet is going to think that a box wine from HEB is better than something that is older. If you think that, then you really have zero taste.
1: Yeah. Your palate needs to be reset. Yeah.
0: Your palate is broken. Reset
1: it, man. Reset it. Reset that palate.
0: The old is better. Amen. You're not trying to get something just a hundred years old. You're not trying to get something just a thousand years old. You are trying to go for the ancient wine because it's from the ancient vine. And I promise you it's better. That's what the Lord is doing in our midst. He is moving us to say, "Mm, now that you're starting to have a, your discernment, your palate start to be dialed in. I got something better for you. Oh, but Lord, we've always wanted it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I got a special, I got a special reserve place for you. I got something that you are going to never, ever want to drink from anything else again because you're LCM. And that's what he's doing in our midst. You can hear it in our prophecies. He's saying, I got something for you. Now that you've done the work that you've done, you've just done this work to get to the beginning of me showing you some ancient things. Come on now.
1: So we're taking that glass, we're stirring it as we reset our palate. This one has strong notes of holiness. I'm detecting a strong aftertaste of dunamis power of what's happening. Look, I can look out and see what God has done by building this church on this very principle that it's a must and that we can experience. The miracle of fermentation. LCM, you are a spirit filled church. You are a church that has experienced the miracle of fermentation. I know you want all this. So look, if this ancient wine from the ancient vine is better. Let's now begin to look at how we treat it. This is where we're going. Are you always looking for something new? Have you begun to think about the miracle of fermentation only in context of how it makes you feel in the moment? How it tastes to you as if there weren't other branches to look at. Has the miracle of fermentation in you fallen on its dregs?
0: Has it stopped fermenting inside of you? Take a look at Zephaniah chapter one. Let me just read it to you. We'll put it on the screen because we want you to catch this. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and will punish those who are massively evil. I will punish those who are incredibly far from me. I will punish those who are complacent. Who are like wine left on its dregs who think the Lord will do nothing either good or bad. Wow. The idea of being complacent when you have the best wine that has ever been of the same substance of the heavens is like you leaving the miracle of fermentation unattended. I got it. I got the same stuff inside of me. Yeah, but is it on, sitting on its dregs? Mm. Has it been left in a complacent state where the dregs, the, the particulates are falling out of it, and it's creating a bitterness. It's creating in you a place of complacency where you have settled into a fixed position. We know who's going to try to prophesy here. We know who's going to run a microphone here. We're going to know what's going on over here. And you're just settling in with a complacent idea when you've been given something of the heavens. Yeah. See, attending to this, you not leaving the wine on its dregs in you. You understand that we're not talking about the quality of the wine. We've already established it. it is the best. It's the best. What is it inside of you, though? When you're attending to this, you begin to pursue the fullness of the ancient path. You're not so short-sighted as to think that it's just about you and what this wine is doing for you. You understand that a gardener, he had a vine. And that vine and chose branches who stayed connected. And they produced fruit. And they wanted fruit that would last. So God empowered it with his spirit to have the miracle of fermentation. And it was designed. And it went to the vineyard of Israel and then to us. It's been at it a long time. Yeah. How can you be complacent with something that's that valuable? Come on, God is going to help us today for you to value the Holy Spirit at work in you because it's the same spirit that was moving all the way back from the beginning. Yeah, It was the same spirit that was hovering over the waters. It's the same yeah, one yeah. that we can see throughout Scripture time after time. We don't want you to have the miracle of fermentation sitting on its dregs inside of you today.
1: The solution for that, that com- complacency can be crushed so that you don't settle into the dregs, is that you got to be agitated. you got to be stirred. you got to be shaken, moved around a little bit. this is starting to, to hit home in your soul and you're like, I don't like what you're saying, Pastor. I am spirit-filled. I have experienced the miracle of fermentation. Yes! But if that's beginning to shake your soul, praise God, because it will cause you to want more of that miracle fermentation. There's some very clear things that we're going to do that will cause us to cry out like we read in Scriptures earlier, son of man at the right hand, come revive us, come restore us, come save us. We need you as our vine to be connected to so that we can bear fruit and have that same miracle of fermentation. Turn with me to Jeremiah six sixteen. Some very clear directives in a scripture that we've been covering thoroughly. This is. Is what the Lord says stand stand at the crossroads and look how do you begin to stir up the wine that's inside of you to get out of the dregs of complacency you begin to get to your feet and get moving you don't sit and watch and observe You stand at the crossroads and you are looking, Lord, what is your direction? Where do you want to lead me by the spirit? How do I get to that ancient path? And that's the very next step. Ask for the ancient paths. Come on, when you are standing up on the inside and the outside, you are asking and beckoning. Lord, I want to return to that original, reliable stock that brought life to me in the first place. I want to return to that first love that was the experience of the miracle fermentation. We're going to then ask a second thing as it lists here in the scripture where the good way is. I've had a good father that has let me exhaust myself in my own way so that I would come to this point and just ask the father of glory. What is your good way? Mighty God. And once that's been established that you see what he has directed you to do to crush complacency, now it's your obligation to walk in it. Exactly like the scripture says. And it's only until then that you have stood up, you have asked two times, and you begin to walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. This verse concludes, but you said, we will not walk in it. But I can say with confidence, that's not the state of our church this morning. We are part of a family, a church body who says we will walk in it. We will continue to experience
0: that miracle of fermentation before pastor praise and closes. Here's what's going to happen to you right now. In just a minute, when you stand up, you're going to have your hands go straight up into the heavens. And you're going to ask him to show you this ancient path and to breathe on you in a powerful way today. His spirit is going to be renewed inside of you. Any place where there has been complacency, God is going to stir that up so that there are no dregs left on the inside of you. God is going to do something in just a second when we stand up. He's going to renew his choice vine, that choice fruit That fruit that will last. He will produce the miracle of fermentation in you as you stand in just a moment. I can feel it. I know it. I know it's on the inside of me because I know it's what he wants to do inside of you right now. He is going to renew his spirit in you. He is going to rebirth some things and make sure that you are connected because it is his desire to have the miracle of fermentation alive inside of you today. I'm telling you, I can feel it. You let your faith rise even before you stand to your feet. Amen. If that is your desire, as Pastor Matt leads us from here, stand to your feet and throw your hands in the air and begin to cry out to God.
1: Son of Man at the right hand of the Father. We say, stir our souls today. Lord, crush the complacency inside of us and let the miracle of fermentation bring us alive inside of you. Revive us, mighty God. Restore us. Let your fresh outpouring of your Spirit fall on us today. Your Spirit of holiness. Your Spirit of power. Lord, that we may bring you glory by bearing forth what a good time it is to be together as a family, not only today, but in our day and in our time. I'm looking out and I see a church that is as strong as it's ever been, filled with families, men and women who have a greater understanding of who they are and what they're called to do, that will produce much fruit as we begin our our communion I want to bring to you another depth of understanding the ancient path and as it relates to communion put up Genesis chapter 14 we're going to start with verse 18 then Melchizedek son, a king of Salem brought out bread and wine. See, I had this in my mind backwards for a long time. I thought Abram brought out bread and wine. But Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. A man who had no father or mother. Who was an eternal, heavenly priesthood. Who was the OG of the OG. Now standing face to face with Abram says that he was a priest of God most high and he blessed Abram saying bless be Abram by God most high creator of heaven and earth and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand then Abram gave him a tenth of everything see we started this morning working with Jesus 500 years prior to Jeremiah then to the Psalms then to Moses and then to Abraham but for Abram there was an ancient path for him and that was Melchizedek standing before him. Where did Melchizedek get this bread and wine? Well, there wasn't an H-E-B with tortillas and box wine to go to. Melchizedek brought from the ancient path the original bread and the wine from the ancient vine and that's what he presented to Abraham so with that grounded understanding and that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek now let's go even deeper
0: we got one more John chapter 2 the very first miracle that Jesus performs is to turn water into wine put up John 2 verse 10 and what kind of wine did he transform it into the ancient wine is what he transformed it into everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you have saved the best until now that's not all Jesus is not turning grapes into wine. He's got a miracle of fermentation that is based on the water of the word that is already inside of you. Yeah. That those vessels that were there holding the water, Jesus doesn't even need the grapes to turn to wine. His miracle of fermentation lets you know that when he goes back to the ancient wine, he is giving you and transforming the word of God that has already been made manifest inside of you. That that powerful spirit that has already been set inside of you, that that's what Jesus transforms into the most ancient, the Melchizedek kind of ancient wine. And that's what you and I have today. When we're talking about communion, this is as victorious as it gets. Yeah. This is as ancient as it gets. It didn't just start in Corinthians. It didn't just start with a Passover meal. This started all the way back in Genesis 14 because we believe that it's the ancient path that the heavens has us upon. As you take of the bread in your hand, the very bread of heaven, his word that is deeply, deeply moving you today. As you partake of this, understand that we are going back to the most ancient of paths so that we can enjoy the exact same word that was with God in the beginning. That before there were days, that this is what we are celebrating today. Let's partake of the bread together.
1: As we're partaking of that bread, bread as ancient as Melchizedek himself. We raise this cup of wine, that we are committed to the process of the miracle of fermentation. We're committed to not let this turn into dregs, but to constantly keep it moving by standing, asking, and walking in the ancient paths. As we drink this, commit again to this process and let the spirit of God ferment inside of you, producing power for others. Go ahead and drink the cup.
0: Somebody say ancient paths. This is just service number one for your ancient paths. Imagine what we're going to build to. For God to show us and to come and meet with us today in the way that he has should give you the greatest amount of confidence maybe that you've ever had in your life that what he is speaking that we have tapped into his heart as a church, and he wants to help you to not only get on the ancient path, but to stay on the ancient path, to produce the fruit that comes from the ancient path, and to be able to take this to the entirety of the world. Tonight, we're gonna meet with some of you about how to do this inside of the home meetings. Tomorrow night, we have a foundations that you are not gonna want to miss. These men of God, are loaded for bear because the Lord is helping us and daily he is walking us in this path. Take your neighbor by your hand.